Cositas, welcome back to another episode of Dead It Tells All. Let me just start off by saying, oh my goodness, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your feedback, for the love that you guys gave me on episode one. It was beyond anything I could have imagined. It's so scary to be vulnerable and put your story out into the world. And every time I do it, I'm I'm terrified. But then whenever you guys listen and you're able to connect to pieces of my story where you're able to relate to something that I said or something that I experienced, I just know that it makes that vulnerability so worthwhile. And one of the biggest reasons why I do it is because We are never alone in the journeys, the experiences, the feelings that we have. And sometimes you don't realize that you're not the only one. And it may feel like a lonely road, but you're not alone. And so I share my my journey, my story, my experiences because I know that there are others out there like me. And maybe it can bring you some peace, some comfort knowing that you're not the only one. And that there is, you know a way out or that you are going to see the light and so I appreciate you guys so so much um so many dms so many shares on social media but I did get one voice memo and I want to share that with you this is from one of my followers Luz Daniela thank you so much for this sweet voice memo uh it was completely unexpected I really didn't think anybody would like send me any voicemails after episode one but I'm so glad that you did Tere Girl, Tere tells all. First episode, who does she think she is? Tere, you are absolutely amazing. I loved the first episode, completely inspiring. Like, I kid you not, like, I can relate to you on so many levels. And I swear, sometimes when I get up in the morning this week, tonight was my first time listening to the podcast and I absolutely loved it but what's motivating me this week going to the gym my gym routine I'm trying to get on back on back on track and I just think to myself slay like that slay like that get up do it like that girl keep doing what you're doing like seriously you're huge motivation if you ever want to leave me a voicemail all you have to do is go to the Tere tells all Instagram page Click on connect and there you will see the phone number to my listener line. Please feel free to share your experiences with me the way that I share mine with you. I love hearing from you guys, so don't be shy about it. I love hearing from you. Moving on to today's podcast episode, we are going to talk about overcoming teen mom stigmas. If you listen to episode one, I explained to you how becoming a teen mother affected me and I didn't really dive in too deep. I just kind of gave you a brief overview. So today I want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper, but I wanted to bring on a guest who was also a teen mom herself. And together we're going to share our experiences and how we overcame the statistics. Although the number of teen pregnancies has dropped to record lows over the past decade, we here in the United States still hold the highest rate of teen pregnancies for developed countries. Of those teenage girls who have children, only about 40% graduate high school before the age of 22. And then from there, about 2% of teen moms actually finish college before the age of 30. If those numbers sound low to you, it's because they are. According to the CDC, the children of teenage mothers are more likely to have lower school achievement and to drop out of high school, more likely to have health problems, be incarcerated at some point during their adolescence, give birth as teenagers themselves, face unemployment as young adults, and continue a cycle of poverty. My guests and I today are going to share our struggles and how we overcame these statistics and the stigmas associated with being a teen parent. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, guys. So today on the podcast, we have one of my favorite accounts to follow. She's super genuine. She keeps it real. She's a mom and a burn ICU nurse on top of doing her social media thing. Today we have Areli. Hi, Areli. Hi, everybody. Hello. Very nice to meet you all over this uh, this wonderful podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on here. And you and I, we follow each other on social media. Um, and we kind of, I guess, met through social media. We're both um, both funny girls. So that is awesome that we have that in common. But we also have another thing in common. We uh, both became moms very, very young. So I kind of want you to tell us your story. Um, how you became a mom at what age and and we're, we're kind of going to go through that and i'm going to share my teen mom story um but today really i want to focus on just motherhood and not just motherhood in general but just being a young teen mom and the stigmas that came with it and the struggles that we face then and even now so go ahead girl take it away this the floor is yours sure of course thank you so much for that um Let's see, where do I start? I feel like it's been forever ago since that time in my life, but you know, that um, that season of my life was definitely impactful and it definitely made me grow in so many ways. But I remember I was 16 when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter and I had just made captain of my varsity volleyball team. <laughs> So whenever I found out, I was in complete shock. I was dating my boyfriend at the time for about a year. Um, And, you know, you're a kid. It's not anything that's super serious, but getting pregnant so young is such a serious thing. But at that moment, you don't think about it just because you're growing up. And I remember whenever Mm -hmm. I saw the positive on that pregnancy test, I said, oh my goodness, what about volleyball? Like that was my first thing like on my mind. It wasn't even, you know, I'm going to have a baby. It wasn't, I'm going to become a mom. It was, what am I going to do about my volleyball team? Just because you're still a child. Um, So it was was difficult for me to understand just how serious my situation was. Um, My family, Mm -hmm. I did have support from my family. My family is very traditional Hispanic. So they did all, you know, offer their support and to pitch in. Um, But I did remember my mom telling me, if this is what you are going to decide to do, then, you know, I'm only going to watch her for you to go to school and go to work. And that's it. You know, I'm not going to watch her for you to go hang out with your friends. I'm not going to watch her for you to go be social or any of that. Like, this is something that's completely serious and your life is going to change. And I honestly owe her so much for that because um, I did see other girls my age that got pregnant and, you know, I, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't really follow through with their plans for the future. Um, And they struggled immensely with that. And I knew that I wanted to go to school. I knew that I wanted to go to college. I was actually, people didn't think that I would ever end up pregnant at 16 because I was an AP student. I was, you know, Oh, my God, same. Yeah, yeah. So I was an AP student, and, you know, I always kept my head down. I never got in trouble. I was just, uh, you know, I was in sports. I made captain of my varsity volleyball team as a sophomore in high school. Um, You know, I I don't want to say I had a lot going for me because I'm in a very successful place now. But back then, I guess by that definition, I had a lot going for me. So whenever I did get pregnant, um, you know, I heard – I heard all of the, what are you going to do now? Your life is over. You know, what, what about your future? What about your yes. future? Plans? You know, and that hurt deeply, mm-hmm. especially hearing like, you're so stupid. How could you let this happen to you? Or, 
you know, you now you're just another dumb kid or, you know, they had a lot of, oh, you're just like all the other Hispanic girls getting pregnant so young. So just really getting thrown into these, mm-hmm. these very negative stereotypes was very hurtful. It deeply impacted my self-esteem, um, my self-image. And uh, it just was really hard to kind of figure out how to grow out of that hole that people were just kind of like, you know, labeling me. I, I feel like maybe you two have been labeled with certain things. And it was like, that's not who I am. Yes, I know that I made a I made a decision that resulted in in this consequence by your definition, but I will work out of it. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know my energy. Um, and yeah, and that's what I had to kind of work through. So it was really negative. I did face some bullying in high school. You know, I remember I was kind mm-hmm. of like shunned by the other girls in my class or like my, some of my teammates. And, you know, back then when you're a teenager, you think that these girls are going to be your best friends for your whole life. So it does hurt. And, um, but that did right. teach me to just kind of rely on the people that were always sticking by me. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, right. no, it's just really hard to kind of grow out of all of that completely when um like in your home environment was like sex something that was talked about or was it like my family we didn't talk about sex we like I don't remember I don't remember my mom ever having the talk with me um obviously I knew what sex was when I was doing it like I knew but it wasn't something that was openly discussed in my household because we were my parents were super strict and conservative so I don't know what was your upbringing in that aspect you know what? I was actually going to say that my upbringing was pretty much the same. My parents are very, um, very Catholic. So I remember um, whenever I did have questions about all of that, we couldn't go to our mom because she would say that's that's grown woman business. Like there's nothing for you to mm-hmm. kind of be taught about that. Um, and then I remember that I first learned about sex through – a book because I was reading at the library and there was a anatomy book mm-hmm. I think that I checked out and it was just talking about you know oh and I was curious about puberty because you know they show you these kind of classes when you're in elementary school and middle school kind of growing up and I was like what, what is all this and then you hear kids making jokes and you hear kids talking about it or like things on the movies and I was like mm-hmm. what, what are you guys talking about so there I go the little bookworm that I was and I was like let me check this book out from the library and sure enough I saw yeah. uh, you know it was condensed into a a kid version of it but basically I learned about sex through books in the library and I could never ask my mom because she said you know I think I remember one time she said that um ob like a gynecologist is for married women only you mm-hmm. know so there was like no reason for oh yeah. Like there was no reason for like, you know, yeah. young women to go. And, um, but I think that's just how it is in that culture. It's just kind of like very taboo to speak about it, um, with mothers and daughters, but no, I, I, nothing, mm-hmm. none of that was spoken about in our home. I actually told my dad, I had a boyfriend when I told him I was pregnant. So it was a huge shock. Oh, so it was like a double bomb. <laughs> yes. It was a double bomb. Yes. They kind of didn't know, like, they were like, what is going on? So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my my experience is kind of similar. So I, too, was an honor student. Um, I was in drill team, so I was on the dance team. And I'm the oldest of five. So my whole life, my mom and my aunts were always, you know, telling me, like, you're the oldest. You lead the – you set the example. You – are going to pave the way for your siblings. And I never really felt that like pressure on me until I got pregnant. And I think at that moment, it just clicked. So I found out I was pregnant my junior year of high school. Um, I remember I was at a HOSA competition. So for anybody who doesn't know what HOSA is, I don't know if that's like nationwide or statewide, but it's Health Occupation Something of America, I want to say. I can't remember the exact acronym because I originally wanted to be a nurse. So I started taking like the prereq nursing courses in high school. I did the pharmacology course in high school, and I actually graduated with my uh, registered pharmacy technician certification. 
Um, but anyway, I remember we were away at a competition and I loved going away for competitions, whether it was like drill team or HOSA or student council or whatever it was, because my house was chaos. Cause again, oldest of five plus my parents. Um, and we always had family like Diaz and uncles in and out. And so whenever I got to go away with the school trip, it was like a whole new experience. But this one particular trip, I felt horrible the entire bus ride there. I felt horrible, like the bus ride back. And I remember when we were driving back, um, somebody like jokingly said, oh, Teresa might be pregnant. Just making a joke. They didn't even know me. And at that moment, it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I haven't gotten my period. I probably am. And I, as soon as we got home um, from that trip, I called my then boyfriend at the time and we went over to his house and I took a pregnancy test and sure enough, I was pregnant. So it was the second semester of my junior year. So at this point, you know, that's when you're already looking into colleges and trying to figure out where direction you want your life to go in. And I got, when I saw that positive pregnancy test, it felt like my world stopped. I did, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was terrified of telling my mom because even though we never talked about sex or we never had that open communication when it came to those things, my mom would always tell us, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. It'd be like, if we wanted to go to a party, no, you're not going to a party because you're going to get pregnant. Like it was like that. She was very sheltering. Um, and so, of course, the one thing that she told us not to do is the one thing that ended up happening. Um, but just like you, I got shunned. I was bullied. Um, I didn't fit in the school desks because they were like the ones that are like the chair attached to the desk. So I remember some of my teachers were really, really nice. And they were like, they let me sit at their desk. They're like, Teresa, come sit at my desk with my big belly. And then there were some teachers who just looked at me like I was you know, a piece of shit. And you could tell. Yeah, you could tell which teachers cared about you and which teachers like were annoyed by you. Um, and I think that's kind of part of the reason why I then became a teacher because I wanted to be there for kids who don't necessarily have the support at home. I wanted them to feel cared for and loved for when they're in school. Um, and, and I, you know, mm -hmm. I've experienced both sides of it, but yeah, so I ended up having to not go away for school. Um, but just like you, college was not going to be like a question like, yeah, I'm still going to college. I'm still going to find a way through. And, um, yeah, my family was also very supportive, even though I was terrified of them, they were very supportive. Um, my mom also watched my son while I finished my senior year of high school and then half of college. Um, once he got old enough to go to like pre-K, then my mom didn't really babysit as much. But I didn't abuse that privilege just like you. It was just like when I was at school or at work. Mm -hmm. So I knew that if I wanted to have a better life for me and my son, then I had I had work to do. And so that's that's basically what I did. Um, I was actually about to go into a little bit of the statistics that, mm -hmm. you know, we beat. If you kind of think about it, like teen mothers are, I can't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I will tell you that we beat the statistics of teen mothers not going to, you know, college. Um, yes. You know, teen mothers, you know, just not getting a higher education or a, having a career. Um, and all of that is so difficult because, you know, it's, Number one, it's the support that you need and being able to have um, the ability to go to work and go to school. And we're not normal kids after we have our kids. You know, we're not carefree anymore. No, you have, not only are you growing up, but you're also having someone else join you in that whole process. And it was just so extremely difficult. But mm -hmm. no, I am not um, with her father. We split when she was about three years old that relationship was very volatile um I think it's just because of the age mm -hmm. and it was just you know just really really bad growing pains and like I said when you're in high school you think that the person yeah. that you're with is going to be your forever and that is not how it happens most of the time um but yeah yeah that's how it was with me and her dad no no yeah no I'm the same way I'm not with my son's father we um split up 
when my son was a month old, actually, um, at that point, I decided that we wanted different things out of life. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to get a career. I wanted to, you know, make something of myself. And he was, he dropped out of high school because he was going to work to provide for the family. And in my eyes, I was like, that is the worst thing that you can do. Like drop out of high school. Are you kidding me? Um, and my parents helped. They tried to get him to go back to school. And I just, I knew that our lives were going in different directions. And if I wanted to have a better life for my child, then I had to let him go because it was either my son or him. And I'm, mom, I'm, I'm going to be mom first, you know? I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. I always think about it in terms of that too, because we struggled. I struggled a lot with him. Um, and I don't want to bash him or say anything negative, but it was the same exact kind of thing for me. It was we wanted just just we were just two completely different just very opposite people wanted some things that were completely different out of life and um I made the same choice you know I was like either I stay and I try to hold together something that is not positive for myself for him and it's just very negative for our child together or I split and I cut the cord and I make something out of myself to provide stability insecurity for my child where they're we're not going to have that together um so yeah yeah I understand yeah you know and as far as like conservative as my parents were they were very adamant that I did not have to stay with him and you know I felt like a lot of times when teen like Hispanic teen girls get pregnant young their parents are onto them okay well now you have to get married because you're pregnant and my parents were the opposite of that. My parents were like, no, you do not. Um, and and I'm uh-huh. thankful for that, that they weren't the kind of parents who were like, no, you have to get married because my life would be completely different right now. Right. You know, what's actually funny is that I actually faced the opposite of that. My parents, since they were very traditional, they said, why are you thinking about leaving him? Like, this is the man that you have a child with. This is who you have to build a family with, you know? Um, Mm-hmm. And I'm not upset with them. I know that that's how they grew up and that was how they got along in their families and generations before. But I remember whenever I was asking my dad for FAFSA, you, you know, to get college aid, uh, yes. I'm sorry, to get government aid for college. And, financial aid. Yeah, the financial right. aid. And I remember I was asking him for his information because technically I was still a minor, even though I was 17 and working. Um, and I needed his information. Mm-hmm. And he said, why do you need that for? I said, oh, you know, I, I want to go to school, but I need money for school. And this is going to help a little bit at least. And he said, I don't understand why you're going to school. You're married. And I said, I'm not married. Um, I would really, I basically had to talk him into like, give him a list of reasons why I want to go to school and talk him into it. it took me about a day and a half. And then he was, he, I finally made him cave. I think I stated my case pretty well, but I told him, I said, look, I know it's really hard to believe in me right now, but I believe in myself and I will make you guys proud. Like, I'm not just going to sit here and give up. I promise. So I fulfilled that promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, yeah. Yeah. No, you sure did. You sure did. So hard. So um, college, school, because I know that that's tough. So I know like we were both in high school and that was a monster on its own to finish high school as a mom. But then when you get to college, for me, my college was very different from my high school because high school, you know, it had like set hours. It was a very, it was, it was, the structure was the same every day for high school. But then when I got to college and then I was also working full time, it was, it was difficult because I remember there were days where I would work until 10 p.m. or like 9 p.m. because I worked at a pharmacy. So I worked at CVS. And so we would close out the pharmacy I'd get home, I'd eat like a bowl of cereal, and then I'd sit on my laptop and write my papers or do my schoolwork until like 1 a.m. And I would, again, the next morning, I would leave to go to school or go to work. And there were times where I'd leave home and my baby was asleep, and then I'd come home and my baby was asleep. And I, for the longest yeah. time, had this guilt that I was missing out on my my son's childhood because I was so dedicated to get ahead. I was like, I got to work. I got to go to school. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I don't have enough time to be a mom. And and that's, again, a guilt that I still carry till this day. But I know that it was for the benefit of, of 
our today, you know, our tomorrow. So what was your experience like? I feel that so much because I literally went through the same exact thing. I think I juggled maybe three jobs at one point just because that's how bad I needed the money, but they're not going to hire you full time somewhere if you're going to school. And then uh, going through nursing school, those classes were intense and the clinicals were mandatory. So whatever day, they basically ran your life wherever you were. So if you needed to be at a clinical at a certain day and you told them, hey, I'm sorry, I can't make it. They're like, okay, well, you're going to fail then if you can't make it because this is your priority. So it was extremely difficult. It was so stressful. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing. There were days when I would literally leave and Mia would be asleep. My daughter, she would be asleep. And it would be maybe like six in the morning. And then I would come back home around 10 and she would also be asleep. And I missed out on so much. I missed out on her first steps and her first word. My mom experienced that, not my, not yeah. me. And that was so hard. And I remember crying and thinking like, I am such a terrible mother. Like I should have been there. I should have recorded it. I should have done this. I should have done that. And I measured myself by what everybody else was doing. But I had to realize like, hey, I I'm working for something that is going to pay off for her in the future. You know, I know that I'm not able to spend time with her now, but whenever I get to where I'm at, I'll be able to spend days and weeks and schedule vacations and take her to vacations without having to worry about things. Um, so I pushed on. It wasn't the happiest years of my life. Um, but it was something that I knew was definitely needed. But oh, the mom guilt was terrible. Even now, sometimes I kind of I kind of feel it, but she's at an age where we, we bond very, very well. So I miss her as a baby, but I love who she is. Yeah. yeah so we're doing mani petties and all of that. So that's so cute. So, I so I have a son, so we're not doing mani petties over here, <laughs> but my son and I are still very, very close. Um, you know, we have, it's cool because we have like the same interest in like music and the same interest in sports and the same interest in movies and uh, you know, pre-COVID times, we were going to concerts together and music festivals together. And it, it's kind of like my own little built-in best friend in a way, but I'm, I'm obviously I'm still the mom and I still, you know, um, have to parent. But yeah, like our relationship, like our mother-son relationship is super close. And, you know, like in, in Mean Girls, when Regina's mom goes like, I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. So uh, that's my son and I's yeah. joke. Like, yeah, I'm like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. And um, I taught at the same school that he went to. So when he was in elementary school, I taught at that school. And then he went to the middle school. And then I eventually transferred to that middle school as well. Um, so all of his friends knew that I was, you know, that I'm his mom. And um, we got a lot of the same jokes. Like we send each other TikToks all the time. And it's a really cool experience to be a parent like that. Because I think back to like my experience like my relationship with my mom and my dad when I was my son's age and it's night and day um and my parents were great parents exactly. they did the best they could you know and I I don't regret anything about my childhood but it's really different to see how 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 contrasting the two relationships are yeah I agree I Mia and I always get mistaken for sisters <laughs> everywhere we go even her little friends at school yeah when I would go and, you know, they would have like parent night or to go, for the parents to go help out. And I would show up and they would say, Mia, do you have a sister? And she goes, no, that's my mom. So everywhere we always get it where they think that we're siblings instead of I'm her mom. Um, and uh, we just we have such a such a close bond. And I think it's because with me and her, it literally was just always me and her, you know, I moved out of my parents' house whenever I was 18 into our own apartment. And I just remember just always just looking at her and I would just, even when she was sleeping, I would just tell her like, Hey, like we're going to make it out of here. And I think I bonded so much with her because it was, we were kind of just surviving together. And I wonder sometimes mm -hmm. like, if I ever do get blessed with another child in the future, like what is that relationship going to be like? Cause Mia and I are, we're so close. It was such a different such a different time back then. Um, a lot of emotional, you know, I think it's because I was, I don't know if you kind of felt the same way I did when I was, you know, shunned and bullied and everything. I would just kind of hold my belly and I would be like, you know what, at least I'm not alone. Like, 
I have you and you have me and we'll get through. And I think that's probably why it was just so strong. Cause I was like, you know what? We, we have each other at least. Mm-hmm. Right. I always like to say it's like we grew up together because I really do feel like my son and I grew up together in a way, you know, obviously like different stages of life, but I grew into adulthood and then he grew and, you know, into his little life. Let's talk about fitness. How are you fitting fitness into your life? So I know you said you played volleyball in high school. So have you always been like athletic and into Mm -hmm. fitness or is that something that came later in life or how did that play a part? You know what? I've always liked to play around, but I didn't do sports up until I was in middle school. And funny enough, I didn't want to play volleyball. I actually wanted to just go straight to basketball. But they said, like, I think in middle school, you had to start off during the seasons. It's either that or do off season. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not a runner. I don't want to just condition. So I was like, I'll play volleyball. And I fell in love with it. So I did volleyball, basketball. I did track and field. And I just... I think I'm just a natural athlete and I love it. I love the competition of it. I love the adrenaline of it. So that kind of just fueled my passion for it. I didn't start actually doing weight training and all of that until maybe 2013. And um, I I fell in love with it. And that's how I kind of started my fitness journey. I remember that I think it's because I was such a dedicated athlete and always in constant inner competition that helped me really stick to my fitness goals so even when I was busy um even when I was you know juggling my jobs um I always tried to find some time to work out it helped that one of my jobs was like working at a gym so I would just go work out early oh, at the yeah. clock in yeah take a quick shower and then clock in and do my job but I always try to figure out some way to to get ahead on my fitness goals because I was just naturally competitive. Yeah, no, for me, it came, it came way later in life. Mine, I didn't get into fitness until um, once I was already out of college and already into teaching. And, and I told that story on episode one. So if you want to hear more about that, go to episode one. Um, but yeah, so even now, you know, I, I think it, working out and training and giving myself that time makes me a better mom. And I think that my parenting from, you know, before fitness Teresa to like now fitness Teresa to completely different parenting modes. And I wasn't a bad mom back then. I think I was just like more stressed out. It could have also been, you know, that I was working 40 hours a week and going to school full time. But um like you said, these are seasons of life. And and I've said that before. I, I've had, I've made Instagram posts that say that, like, you know, we go through these seasons of life and some are better than others and the struggles may be different, but you always come out of these seasons a better person and, and you grow through them and you learn so much about yourself and the relationships that you have with others around you as you navigate these different seasons. Yeah, I actually wanted to go ahead and add a little bit to your point where, you know, fitness just kind of helped you become or feel like, or I guess, yeah, feel better, like with your parenting and your stress levels and all of that. I oh was such a stress like nutcase before <laughs> actually like doing weight training and having all of that. First of all, I didn't know where to start. And I think it's, it's a really, it's a thing with moms to have issues with their self-esteem, their self-esteem mm-hmm. and their self-image because you go from being this carefree woman, this carefree young woman, and then your body changes immensely after having a baby. And then you're, you just, you're different now. You know, you're not the same woman that you used to be. Actually, I feel stronger now than how I was before I got pregnant with Mia, but I will say that um, I wasn't always this fit. I didn't always have this mus- this much muscle. I was, when I was super stressed. And then I got braces too. I had braces when I was younger. So after I- did too, at like 19. <laughs> yeah, I was, a, I think I was like 17 when I had my braces. So it was right after Mia was born and I was breastfeeding. And then on top of that, I had stress on how to, am I going to graduate high school? How am I going to get through school? What am I going to do about college? Mm-hmm. So I lost a lot of weight. I was a skinny, I was a small little thing and it, it just wasn't right on my body frame. Um, I was anemic, you know, I was losing hair from all the stress. Like mm-hmm. it was insane. So fitness really saved me, not just on motivation levels and helping out with the anxiety I was facing as a young mother, 
but also with my improved self-esteem, like I felt stronger. I felt like I could tackle on anything. And so here I was just with better, a more positive, optimistic outlook on my goals. And I really feel like that helped. And I know that moms get pressured into snapping back or like, you know, looking a certain way, but I always tell moms, work out for you, work out for, for your energy levels, work out to mm-hmm. pass on these healthy things to your family. You know, Mia, my daughter is almost 10 years old and she loves salads. I don't even eat salads, but she loves salads. She loves, <laughs> she loves celery. I don't even like celery. And it's just, it's really cool to see how these healthy habits just kind of go from there. Like this girl never stays still. She always wants to go play. She loves sports. And um, I hope that that uh, transfers into a lot of other areas into her life. But I know that it all starts with mindset. And uh, I'm really glad that I got a chance to teach her and pass that down. And then she watches me do it. She's always like, mom, that's so cool that you work for like Buff Bunny and you go fly out and do these photo shoots for fitness. And I was like, you know, yeah, it's kind of (laughs) cool. Never thought. You know, my son, I've never been onto him about fitness, but I think him growing up watching me go through, like he remembers me being very, very big. It's funny that you said that when you were going through, you know, your early parenting days that you lost a lot of weight. I was a total opposite. I gained a whole bunch of weight. I think, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty like, I know I was struggling mentally. I don't want to say that it was postpartum depression because I never got officially diagnosed. So that would be unfair of me to say that that's what I had. But I know that I was mentally not right in that aspect. And Mm. I turned to food as a coping mechanism. And I wish that instead I had turned to fitness instead of food. Um, But I actually gained a lot of weight. And because I didn't start, you know, fitness until later in my life, my son remembers me when I was very, very big. And then he sees me now. And I have never really pushed fitness onto him. But he, he, you know, he's picked up on those things. And we work out together. He, he asked me to show him like proper form on deadlifts and squats. So when he got to high school, and they started going into the weight room, he's like, Mom, Mom, like, I actually knew how to do those things. And a lot of the other kids, you know, they're like, their form isn't right. But I know how to do it right, because you taught me and you know, it's really cool. And we talk about nutrition and how like protein and, and carbs and fats and how they affect your body. And I'm so proud that I time. lead that by example, not by me, like pressuring him to, to do certain things. Because when I was at my biggest, you know, my parents approached it in a different, like they, I want to say they were mean to me, but they did call me out on it. I know they had good intentions to like help me get into shape or, or wanted better myself, but all I did was feel attacked whenever they would bring up my weight. I always felt so attacked about it. And I knew that I didn't want to be that kind of parent. So I've always let my kid just do, you know, do what he wants to do. But leading by example, I think has been the the best way to do that. So, and, I, and it sounds like you're doing the exact same thing with Mia. You know, she sees you doing all of these amazing things and, and she knows that, that's, you know, something that she can have also as she grows into being, you know, a young woman. So that's, I think that's really cool. Right. And, you know, kind of, kind of going into that, do you ever feel like, cause I always would share with Mia, um, in very, in, in, in inappropriate ways, age appropriate ways, I would kind of explain to her, like, you know, Mia, mama had a hard time. Um, you know, mama, whenever she was younger because you know I had you so young like you know I would tell her how after I had her a week after when I was postpartum um they the school told me like hey you need to go to your classes otherwise you won't graduate and so there I go carrying my one week old baby onto this little mini school bus and they went to go pick us up and I had to go take my classes at a what's it called um it's like a uh those schools where they you can an accelerated school kind of um, yeah like a fast-paced alternative school yeah, there we go yeah like that's the word I was looking for an alternative school so there I go taking my baby and there's like this class for like pregnant girls only or like postpartum girls only and I'm doing my classes so I don't fail mm-hmm. out and I'll tell her every now and then just how much it was because you know, I want her to know that like life wasn't easy for us, but as long as you kind of stay consistent and you work hard that you can make something out of yourself. Um, just because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm so young. 
you know, she's 10, I'm going to be 27. Um, I'm always kind of afraid that people would tell her the wrong thing over like, oh, your mother got pregnant so young and this and that, you know, I don't know if you face that as well. Um, but I just want her to be mm-hmm. able to say, like, you know what, my mom did get pregnant young. And this is what I learned from it. This is what she taught me. And this is what I'm going to apply, you know, and not to be judgmental of people. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I know I had a lot of like, nobody, I don't think anyone ever told me to my face. Or like judged me for that but I know that there was always like people talking behind my back because people would then come up and tell me hey so and so said this or hey so and so was telling people that um and I kind of just had to learn how to shut all that out and you know I'm not really sure if anyone's ever said that to my son again to his face but I remember when he figured it out we were we were in the car and I want to say he was like I don't know first grade and they were learning about math like addition and math or subtraction, I think at that point. And he was like, how old are you? And then I told him how old I was. And then he was like, wait. And he started doing mental math and he figured, it was like, you were 17 when you had me? Because I don't think it really clicked to him that, you know, like his mom is young until he did the math one day. And he was like, oh my God, you're so young. Like that. <laughs> but yeah, and so then that's kind of when my son figured out that, you know, he's the product of a teen mom. But it, it's like, now it's just... um not a joke, but it's something that we do acknowledge. And, you know, he's seen us through our worst and our lowest, and he's seen me through my best. Um, I wanted, I lived with my parents up until I was about, I want to say 27, all through college. Um, and then even after college for a couple of years, as I started teaching, I still lived at home. And it got to the point where I wanted us to have our own place, like a place of our own. So we got an apartment, just my son and I. And I remember everyone tried to talk me out of it. Like, why would you go get an apartment? Why would you go spend all that money? We can just live at home and save the money. But I knew that in order for my son and I to grow, we needed to, I needed to take that step. And there were times where we literally had, we had a coin jar in the kitchen where we like the extra change. And there were times where we had to go cash in that coin jar at the coin star at the grocery store to be able to get groceries or for me to be able to get gas. And, and oh. he knows because he he would be like, all right, baby, like I'd sit him in the like he'd walk into the store with me. Like, all right, you hold the, the jar and I'll hold this jar and we go cash in our coins. And even before, like before I bought my house, um, I was working for DoorDash, delivering food to be able to like have the extra income to save up for my house and then to pay my closing costs. And even after I bought my house, I was still working for DoorDash on the side on top of teaching. So he he's seen his mom work her butt off. He has seen how working mm-hmm. hard paid off. I agree. I one of my fears, I will I will say that one of my fears is that from what people ask, it's like, what would you do if Mia got pregnant at 16, you know, or 17 or, 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 you know, just at a young age. And I never stopped to think about it. Cause I'm always just so focused on like providing such a secure and stable home for us. But I, I, I took a minute to stop and think. And I was like, you know, I think that based upon my experience, I would be supportive. Um, but I will take different measures to, Hey, Let's, I, I always told her like, cause right now, you know, she's kind of going through that age where it's pre-puberty and they're showing those classes in school. And I was like, right. Mia, if you have any questions, please feel free. It's safe to share with me. It's safe to talk to me, please. And she's like, mm, I know it's just weird. And I was like, I know, but you know, not just as a mom, but like as a nurse, like I can help you and I can help you if you have questions. So, um, it's just nerve-wracking to me that she's you know growing up because I'm just like no my baby's growing up and I will have to think about this one day like you're gonna grow up you're gonna get a boyfriend you're gonna get married one day but I do want her just to always know that she'll always have my love and support just right now I'm gonna like okay I gotta think about like how can I prevent this and how can I teach her and what can I do like because I you know birth control is gonna have to be a topic when she's way older and safe sex and all of that. I was like, oh, the anxiety. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. So I know that. I don't know if you feel the same yeah, way. No, we're the same. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, definitely. So like my, my son is 15 now. So we're way past the talk. We're way into puberty. My son looks like a young man now. He, he shaves like, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. Um, but 
I remember thinking that I wanted his upbringing to be different when it came to like a sex positive environment. I wanted it. I didn't want it to be a taboo subject because for me growing up talking about sex was taboo. Like you said, and we, we did not talk about it. And I wanted to talk about it with my son. I wanted him to know, you know, like what it is and what happens and it's not something we shy about or we're shy about anymore. Even when I'm with like my siblings, my, my, my sister has two kids too. Um, and my youngest, my youngest brother is 19. So my son and my youngest brother are only four years apart, but you know, we do talk about those things. We, I don't want to say we joke about it, but sometimes, you know, sometimes things come up and we do make sex jokes or we want him to feel comfortable all of our kids to feel comfortable talking to us about sex or if they have questions about sex to ask us because I think the the, the way I was brought up where we did not talk about it I don't want to say that's why I became pregnant but I think it definitely was a factor in that I think that if we had been more open about it as I was growing up then maybe I would have been more careful or I would have I would have been on birth control you know my mom probably would have let me get on birth control but she, I couldn't even ask about birth control because she would have like yelled at me or told me, hushed me up, you know, and I don't get that to be the thing. I have a question for you, but before I ask my final question, is there anything else that you want to share? Mm, You know, I think we had a really, I don't think so. I think we touched on a lot of things that were kind of on my, on my heart and on my mind that we wanted to talk about. It's really crazy how our experiences were the same. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm 33. How old are you? I'm 20. I'm going to be 27. Okay. So, I mean, there's an age gap, but still like, you're right. Our, our situations were, were pretty similar. Um, okay. So my question, and this is my final question. So obviously teen mom, teen moms like teen pregnancy is not something that just is eradicated. It still happens. Um, and obviously I think there are a lot of young moms who probably follow you or follow me on social media who are probably struggling with juggling parenthood and work and school. And you and I both talked about how hard that was. But if you could give these young women any advice, what would you tell them? I would give these women if they, oh, it's so hard because I feel like society is always, always changing on what's accepted and like what's okay and what's not okay. But um, ultimately just, turn away from all of that and listen to basically listen to your heart listen to what is right for you and what's right for your family you know you're always going to face the mom guilt when you have to go to work um but it's something that's going to provide security and stability for yourself and your child and this is what's going to be the best thing in your mind for your kid or your kids you know if you have more than one um growing your self-confidence is going to be one of the most important things, because if you believe in yourself, you don't have to need anyone else's approval to believe in what it is that you're trying to do. I know for a fact that that helped me immensely because I would get turned away and I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to let that bring me down. And you have to be able to believe in your abilities. You have to be able to believe in your the view of what your future wants to be, because you know, you, you have yourself, you, you have to have your own back, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, it's just, I know that people say like, you can't be 100% positive all of the time. And I agree with that, but learn from your challenges, you know, yes, negative things will happen probably a lot, especially if you're a young mom, but those challenges fortify you. They strengthen you in ways that you didn't think possible. And now I'm like, I've, I've been through that, you know, like bring it on. What else is there? And um, yeah, I think that those, right. those are just so important right there um, because it literally just all kind of starts on the inside and then it just, what's inside mm-hmm. is what's going to help shape everything else around you. And that's the most important part in my part, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, delayed gratification is a very hard thing to navigate but I think that if you stick the course and you believe in yourself and you just keep working at it you you will make it to the other side and you know think about what it is that you want out of life and the life that the quality of life that you want for your child 
and focus on that and do the work. And you're like you said, it's going to be hard. It was hard for me. Like you and I both know that it's not an easy road, but it's a possible road. And so stick to the course and you will make it and don't and don't rush into anything that you don't feel comfortable with. Because I, I know that for me, um, I used to get to always get the question about like, well, are you going to get married? Are you going to, are you ever going to like give your son a father? And I hated that question because it, it was like, what, is it, am I not enough? Is him having a mom not enough? Like, I get it. Boys need their mom and their dad. Girls need their mom and their dad. But I was doing the best that I could. And I did not need a man to help me raise my child when I was already doing a sufficient enough job being mom and dad. And so don't let anyone make you feel like less of a woman or a mom because there's not a man in your life. The last thing you want to do is introduce the wrong man into your family and put your child in danger or or a bad situation. So worry about you and, and your life and your child's life and don't rush into anything that you are not ready for. I agree with that 100%, especially on the part where it's you don't know who you're going to be bringing into your child's life. So don't, you know, I take it very seriously. I take it very seriously. Even whenever I dated, nobody ever met my child up until I was like, okay, I think it's serious. Mm-hmm. It never got to that point until before I met my husband. And then he's obviously been in our lives for years now. But yes, I agree. I agree. 100% take care of you and your child <laughs> first. until You're at a good place in your life. And then you can start thinking about that. Agree. Yep. Well, thank you again for coming on to the podcast. Um, for those of you who are listening, um, Arely is actually the first person that I'm interviewing for the podcast because I've only been recording by myself. So thank you, big thank you, thank you for, uh, you know, hanging in there with me as I navigate this new journey for me. I appreciate you so much. Um, go ahead and tell our followers, our listeners, where they can find you if they want to know more about you or follow you or know more about your story. Sure. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it. Again, super congratulations on your new journey. This is so exciting for you and I'm praying for your success. Um, And then as far as for your wonderful audience, (laughs) you guys can feel free to follow me on Instagram at Hey, it's Airly G. And uh, it's all just one word, no underscore or anything. So I think you'll be able to find me pretty easy. And that's it. Yeah. And then I'm going to, obviously I'm going to put her, um, the link to her Instagram in the podcast notes. So it's easy for you to find. Um, but yeah, that is it. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week for a new episode. Bye.